Pass me not, O gentle Savior. cry come before you Lord may my prayers reach unto the sky may my lips overflow with praise may my tongue sing to the 
Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Born of 
Mr. Joy, I just thought Tony came to my mind big time. He's in the hospital. Some of you know. Let's pray for him. Father God, maybe you can see this in live stream, know that we're thinking about him. Just bless him right now, Lord. Whatever is wrong, we ask you to heal and correct. But you've been using him in the hospital. Every time he goes there, people are getting witness to. I'm asking you for fruit from this, oh God, a harvest, even while he's there, Father. Let your angels just walk through the halls of the hallway of uh, the hospital and, and just bring people around him that need to be ministered to, but touch him, Lord. Send brothers and sisters to him, Lord Jesus, to encourage him in the name of Jesus. Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. For this reason, 
we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy. Amen. You may be seated. We could dismiss our children. Good morning. Good to see everybody here this morning. Welcome to those online. We appreciate you tuning in, those who can. We were talking this morning. Well, yesterday I actually had a great time of playing some music up in North Georgia, in Flintstone, Georgia. That's about a hop and a skip to Tennessee. Last exit in Georgia. But uh, Stan and his wife Sherry hosted us as we went up and played some bluegrass gospel and some good old music it was a lot of fun they are so gracious and i want to thank them they tune in every sunday and stream they're about an hour and a half from us and we have others that are out of state you know that are tuning in so i'm very very thankful for our streaming service that norman has worked diligently to him and jack both have spent a lot of time on to try to get everything coordinated we're making changes as we go right now he told me this morning that we were having a little trouble going to our website, but YouTube is still streaming, and I think others are still uh, other ways we can get there. But one way or the other, it's saved. If you can't hear it on the stream, you can go back and listen to it a little later. But um, what I told him this morning, I said, what we want to do is we want to keep it that streaming going to everybody who can't get here. But for those who can, let's see if we can block it. Did I say that out loud? For those who would rather roll over than roll out that are 15 minutes away, I'm talking to you this morning. We want to see you. We want you to be here. Fellowship in one with another. But we are thankful for those that are listening that, can, that, that God is using this little church in a lot of ways and ministering to a lot of people. And we're thankful for that. Well, this morning we're going to continue our studies in Corinthians. We'll be in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 this morning. And our title this morning is, Let's Get Out of the Way. Let's Get Out of the Way. Last week, we saw that there's power in the simplicity of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Sensationalism, drama, and performance are all designed to draw out the emotions and play on the heartstrings, but only leads to emotional decisions, which are usually short-term. The mind changes rapidly. I'm excited about this today, not so much tomorrow. And that's the way our minds work. Mindsets can be changed once the feelings and emotions wear off. And a relationship with Jesus is not a mindset. It's a heart change. There should be fruit. There should be an identity that has changed from the old man to the new man. That's a heart change. It's not a mental decision. It's a spiritual thing. It's a spiritual awakening. And we understand spiritual things when the Spirit is awakened by the Holy Spirit. Now, unfortunately, 
many times we reduce the gospel to a systematic way to get people to make a decision through worldly devices. Prayers are prayed. Counts are made. But then what? Where's the discipleship? Where's the growth? If we feel that getting people saved is the only thing we're focused on doing, then what does that really mean? Does it come down to just numbers? And we can have a count and we can represent our denomination or our organization very well by saying we had 300 decisions this year. Great. Out of those 300, where are they now? Are they following Jesus? Or do they put a check mark on their box of things to do in life and going on about their business? These are questions we need to be asking in the church today. On to the next program, on to the next scheme to get more in the door. And today the church has become a marketing machine on how to grow and be effective. But are we seeking the Holy Spirit? Are we asking for power? Are we asking for wisdom? Are we asking for direction from the only one who can give it? Or are we making plans based on, well, this is how to get people to come. And this is how you need to do it. And all these organized plans, they're not working, people. Now, they may feeling, be filling buildings somewhere, but relationships with Jesus is what we're looking for. And it may be a smaller crowd, but it's the heart change that we're looking for. And this is Paul's message to the early church, and he's especially for us today. Worldly things will never be spiritual and spiritual things will never be understood by the world. They don't mix. There are two separate ways of viewing life. And Paul continues this same theme as we continue our study in 1 Corinthians. So let's pray. Father, we ask that you awaken our hearts unto your word this morning in a way like never before. That the power of the gospel, the power of your word, would penetrate the hardness of our hearts, would penetrate walls that we've built, would penetrate mindsets that we've had, and open our hearts to hear what you have for us regarding what your direction is and your plan for the body of Christ. For truly, we are left here with a purpose, and that purpose is to be in relationship with you and to let others know how they can be. So open our hearts this morning. May we hear and may we grow in Jesus' name. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I was with you in meekness, or weakness, in fear and in much trembling. Now, just for a second here, think about this. This is the Apostle Paul. <laughs> this is a man who is probably in the New Testament and the new church, one of the closest men walking with Jesus ever. Wrote most of the New Testament for us that we have today. And yet he is saying, when I came to you, I didn't come with a, a proud, boastful mindset. I came with weakness. I came with fear. I came with trembling. 
And he goes on and he said, My speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of the power. Yet your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age, who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of the age knew. For had they known, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the Spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now, we've received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit of who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, Comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them. Because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things. Yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Now, you can look at this in a brief way and you can say, well, wait a minute, isn't that them against us? <laughs> they against us, us against them. Aren't we supposed to be unified? Not with the world. <laughs> See, the church is supposed to be unified with the Spirit of God, which then unifies us with each other in relationship. But we're not to be unified with the world. So for those who would argue that we're supposed to all be all love all the time and all accepting all the time and all receiving all the time of the world, they don't understand the Scriptures. We're not to be receiving of the world. We're not to be receiving of their ways, of their thoughts, of their, their wisdom, the way they do things. And by no means should it ever be brought in the front door of the church and said, this is how you're going to reach the crowd. Now, you do want to reach people where they are. But the purpose is to not leave them where they are. But when you meet them where they are, you're exposing their lifestyle by the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Word of God so that they see for themselves. You're not beating them up. You're not abusing people. You're not going out with the Bible and giving them bruises. It's the Holy Spirit who brings the conviction. But if we're not willing to speak truth into the darkness, the darkness cannot see the light. And that's who we're called to be. Now, we covered some of these verses last week. And Paul came to the Corinthians, again, as we read, not with human wisdom or persuasive words. 
He didn't sit down and write out a speech and then have somebody review it. He didn't repeat it over and over and memorize it. He didn't go back and critique it and say, well, if I use this phrase, it's going to really grab their attention. If I hype it up here, this is really going to grab them. And that's what we got to do. Got to grab them. No. He came in weakness. He came in fear. He came in trembling. That's the preaching in humility, not in pride. Anything outside of the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ is pride. You can count it and call it what you want. But if you're trying to add to, beef up, make it more exciting, do all these things that we talked about last week to hype it up, all you're doing is saying, the gospel needs a little help here, and I'm the one to do it. We're going to draw people in with my message and how I'm going to present. But again, he came in weakness and fear and in much trembling. And he goes on to say in verses 4 and 5, he said, My speech and preaching were not with persuasive words and of human wisdom, but of demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Hang on to that. Hang on to that phrase, and of power. That your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So when you think about it, to add to, to beef up, and to prove upon the gospel with our own flair or talent is fleshly pride. When he came in weakness and fear, he was coming sharing from his heart, not from his head. It's not just about knowledge. It's not just about telling people about something that you know. He didn't come with that. He came humbly saying, you've got to know what I know. I met Jesus. I was a sinner of sinners. I was killing the church, destroying the church. I was zealous for God. I had all this stuff going for me. But when I met Jesus, I put it all aside. I consider it rubbish because of who Jesus is and the power that's in the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's all about him. It's not about me. It's not about how I present. It's not about what I can do. It's all about the power and the spirit. The demonstration of the spirit of power. Now, how is the spirit demonstrated? By us getting out of the way. By us not trying to take on what is not ours and to abuse, use, make it whatever it is so that we can say we have effectively reached people. That's not our place. That's not what we're supposed to do. We've got to get out of the way. The church culture today has too much emphasis on man and his role in spreading the gospel. We're all supposed to be willing vessels. No man should be elevated above another. No pastor, teacher, evangelist, anybody who has a title should put their title aside and say it's not about what I've called to do. It's about doing what God called me to do. And that is, humbly come before Him and be a willing vessel and let the power of God do what it's intended to do and I get out of the way of it. We're supposed to be these willing vessels. In 2 Corinthians 4, verses 5-7, through 7, He says, For we do not preach ourselves. In other words, I'm not coming talking about me. And one thing you won't find here when I'm preaching, now we'll tell stories from time to time examples but i'm not going to stand up here every week and tell you me and about me 
and what I am and what I do. and all. It's not about any of that. I'm not preaching me. I'm preaching Jesus. He says, we don't preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord. And ourselves, your bondservants for Jesus' sake. Paul looked at himself as a bondservant, a willing slave to the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's how he viewed himself. He didn't consider himself anything except what God called him to be. And he goes on in verse 6 there, it says, For it is, the God, it, is, it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who was shown in our hearts to give the light of knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And he says, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God, not of us. Listen, the minute, the second that we look at ourselves and say, wow, God chose me to do this. The minute we're in trouble. We cannot look at ourselves that way. We can never come to the point where we think that we're special because God chose us for something. He chose a donkey to speak to Balaam. And that donkey didn't think anything special. It didn't know what was going on. From eon eon to, hey, Balaam, you're in trouble here. You know? He didn't know what was happening. He didn't take glory. We need to look at it from this perspective. And Paul continues this message describing the things of God as a mystery. Now, I don't know about you. I watch mystery on TV, mystery shows, you know, how did this happen and all these things and these twists and turns. And you don't know until the end unless you read ahead or watch ahead, which I tend to do and it drives my wife crazy. What I'll do is if there's a series or something we watch, when she's not looking, I'll go to the next episode and read the caption. Do the next episode and read the caption. Go to the next So I want to know what's coming. I, I don't want to wait. All these people who say, oh, let's watch till the end. No, I want to know now. Who did it? <laughs> don't tell me. Don't tell me. I'm one who is a bit, if I don't watch a football game, which I'm not a big sports fanatic, but if I'm interested in the score, I want to go straight to the score after it's over. I don't want to see all the highlights. Who won? Great, it's over. Let's move on. I know it's about the journey, but sometimes I like to get to the end a little quicker. But he goes on, he says in verse 7, We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages of our glory. See, God knows all, has always known all. Everything is according to his plan. Everything's according to his wisdom. And it was ordained long before we took our first breath. It was ordained before he breathed life into Adam. That's how long ago and beyond that. I mean, God is always, always has been, always will be. His knowledge has always been there. His wisdom's always been there. The mystery's always be, been there. So if the things of God are a mystery, who can understand them? <laughs> Sometimes men think they understand a lot more than they do. But who can understand God's wisdom and understand the mystery? Well, verse 6 begins to answer this question in part. He, say, he says, However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature. So wisdom is heard and understood, and some of the mystery of God is explained to those who are mature in Christ. This is not chronologically maturity. It's not what I'm talking about. 
I'm talking about age. Because I know a lot of older people, not here. <laughs> Y'all are all young. <laughs> Careful, I thank you. But I know some older people who have no wisdom. Now, they've lived a long life. Some of them have wisdom regarding experiences that they've had, and they can give good counsel about what not to do in certain situations because of things that they, they learn from, but they don't have wisdom of God. They don't understand. They're not mature in the Scripture. They're not mature in the Word. And so they're not going to understand the mystery. doesn't matter how old you are. Maturity in Christ comes from a relationship with Jesus Christ. And the moment, no matter how old you are physically, the moment you enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ, you are beginning your maturity. You're instantly progressed and transformed from the old man to the new. So you have a new mindset because you have a new heart set. So now the new mindset can hear the things of God. So you're already open to it. But as you mature in your relationship, the mystery of God becomes more and more real to you. And becomes more and more intimate to you. And it's no longer something foreign, something distant, something that you've read about, something that you heard about, something mom and daddy talked about. It's now personal. This is the maturity. This is what happens. This is where it begins. And how does one become spiritually mature? Through the wisdom given by the Holy Spirit himself. In verse 10. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. This message couldn't be clearer this morning. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ and you have a relationship with him, you hear from the Holy Spirit. You have access, a direct access. It's not going through a man. You don't have to go to a priest and confess every Friday or Saturday or go to Mass, whatever. You don't have to do that. Now, if that's your background and somebody feels that that's a necessity for them, as long as it's not legalism, I don't care as long as you know Jesus Christ. But you don't need a man to intercede for you. It's great that we do intercede for one another. I believe prayer changes things. And God calls us for that, to pray for one another, intercede for one another. But you don't need a man to stand between you and God. Direct access through the power of the Holy Spirit. He speaks to you. And we learn from the Holy Spirit. We are empowered by the Holy Spirit. Now notice it's all God. And it's all His power. Not ours. And today, we hear a lot of talk, and, and I, I've been here too. There's a lot of talk about, and the emphasis on connecting with today's generation. How do we connect with the younger people? How do we connect with the, the people that are going through all these things in the world? What do we do? It, the culture's different. How can we connect? What, what, what do we do? I've had these same thoughts. But looking back, just particularly on the Jesus movement, which really founded the Calvary Chapel and that whole area and the whole everything kind of, if you've seen the Jesus movie, you know what I'm talking about and the history there. If you look at that in the 60s and 70s, the Holy Spirit first spoke to Lonnie Frisbee. Now, Lonnie Frisbee was a hippie. He wasn't anything special. 
wasn't a preacher, didn't have a church. He was searching like all the other hippies were searching, looking for truth. Well, he met Jesus. And when he met Jesus, his life was transformed where he was at. He didn't have a preacher doing it for him. Now, he was still a little undisciplined, <laughs> but he was reaching out to his own community of hippies. Well, then what happens? God brings him in the path of Chuck Smith. Then, if you, if you know the story, Chuck didn't want anything to do with him. It was his wife. Now, this is the one thing that the movie didn't portray as much as it should have. His wife was the one who had the broken heart for those young people. It wasn't Chuck. Now, he did describe his attitude. They need to get a job. They need to get a bath. need a haircut. That's what he thought from his own words. I actually heard his own testimony regarding it. But he said it was, it was his wife, Kay. She, she began to weep for them and began to think, this could be our kids on the streets. And as she began to weep for them, it began to break his heart for them. And he brought Lonnie in the path of Chuck. But it was the power of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't Chuck Smith that did anything. He was a willing vessel, broken before the Lord, saying, how can we be effective in this environment? He brought them together. The Holy Spirit did the rest. Calvary Chapel is nothing special. It formed because the Holy Spirit found willing vessels to speak through. That's all it was. Well, if that's the case, why is it not happening today? Do we need another big hippie movement with everybody on the same mindset? No. Here's the difference in our culture today than it was back then. Back then, all the young people, for the most part, now I'm not saying everyone, but you know what I'm saying, the hippie movement was massive. It went from the East Coast to the West Coast, and everybody was searching for something. They had all these drugs, all of these you know, parties, all of this freedom that they had or wanted. They were down on the man. Down on traditionalism. Down on what was going on over here. We don't want any part of that. Down on the war. So they all became of one mindset that there's got to be something better. And they were all searching. And they went from the East Coast. Oh, California's it. we got to get there. Well, here's the thing. When a massive amount of people arrive in one location, and this is supposed to be utopia, but it's not, then you just, what do they do? Wait a minute, this was supposed to be it. <laughs> this was the answer. What better opportunity for the Holy Spirit to meet a mass of people who realize that they're the end of themselves. Now today, the difference is in our culture is it's fraction. You have this movement. You got that movement. You got this group over here that believes this. You got this over there. And they're all sectioned off. So it's not like a mass of people with the same mindset. Now, there is a similar mindset, which is anti-everything. But they're not in a group together coming to this place yet of realizing that what they're searching for is not where they're looking. So we need to pray that the Holy Spirit reveals himself to them where they are. But before he can do that, He's got to have willing vessels to do and be where he calls them to do and to be. 2 Timothy 4.2 says, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. 
convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. Now, the only way to be ready in all seasons and all non-seasons is to be prayed up. To be listening to and to be led by the Holy Spirit. And I believe that's what's missing in our church culture today. In a lot of our church culture today. Moving on to verse 12 and 13. He goes on to say, now we have received. This is the body of Christ. This is the bride of Christ and the church. We have received not the spirit of the world. But the spirit who is from God. Now that is an absolute statement. We have received. Not that you're going to receive. Not that somewhere in the distance you're going to receive. In other words, not when you get to heaven. We already have the Holy Spirit right here, right now. This journey to heaven It's supposed to be an obedient walk, listening to the Holy Spirit right now. Not waiting till our minds are changed and our hearts are changed and our bodies are changed. Not waiting for that completeness of the new man. We already have the new man. Today is the day of salvation. Today, the kingdom of God is in you. That's what Jesus said. He said, the kingdom of God is in you. He didn't say... It's, it's down the road. It's today. So we have received, we already have, the Spirit that is from God. That we might know the things that have been freely given to us. God has given us all we need. It's available to us. Right here and right now. And he goes on in verse 13. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. So here's what he's saying. He said, listen, awaken to the fact that you have everything you need within you. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. God lives in us. He dwells in us. He gives us wisdom. He gives us knowledge. He gives us understanding. It's all available to us. And once we have it, we should be speaking it, not with man's wisdom, not trying to tap into a way to speak it, but speak it. Speak truth. There's power in truth. There's power in the Word. There's power in the Holy Spirit. But so many times, we're not tapping into the power. We're denying it. As though, yeah, it's there, but they wouldn't receive it. We've got to present it this way. We can't depend on God. We've got to do it ourselves. That's the mindset that the world has, and it's, it has filtered into the church. But if we've received the Spirit is from God, we should know the things freely given to us by God. And if we know these things, then we should be speaking them with the same power. Hear what I'm saying here. With the same power that we receive them. Now, many of you today who are believers, you may know of who was preaching or speaking. Who was speaking when you received, when your heart was awakened to the Lord. You may remember an event or a person. But if you have a true relationship with Jesus, you're not attributing to that person what changed your life. That person was a vessel. They were speaking truth. 
who Jesus is, the power of his resurrection, the power of what he did on the cross, the power of who he is as the Son of God. Everybody who receives Jesus receives it because the Holy Spirit connects with a heart who is hungry at that moment. And that is the power that we all have access to. We don't have to beat people up with it. We don't have to convince anybody of anything. It's not our job. We need to live it. Now, I don't want to step on anybody's toes. But I've heard this phrase many, many times. Well, I don't really think I need to say anything. I just need to live a life of Jesus in front of them. I need to be a light to them and not speak with them. Really? That's not what Paul said. Paul lived the life, but he spoke the truth. There is a time of silence if the Holy Spirit tells you to be quiet. But don't think just because you're a Christian inside and you have a smile on your face that people are going to know that you're a believer. Now, there may be those. We talked about this last week. We hope and pray that our life is such a glowing light that they're going to come up and ask us what's different. But I haven't had many people do that recently. Have you? Occasionally it happens, but not all the time. It's not just about being a good person in front of other people and supposedly believing in Jesus inside, and they're going to know. There is, you've got to speak it. We've got to come out of our shell and quit hiding behind. Well, they'll know, and I don't have to do this. And I, oh, This is in the I don't want to offend category. I don't want to push people's buttons. I just want to live for Jesus in my closet. Well, this is the only time you need to come out of your closet. Your prayer closet. Come out and be in the world. You're in the world. You're not of it. You're not meant to be hiding away. And again, I'm not condemning people that have that heart set. And, and I do believe that they're sincere in what they're saying. But what I'm telling you this morning is there's more to living for Jesus in front of people than just being a Christian and not talking about it or not presenting. And some places you can't. If you're in atmospheres where you're not allowed to say things or do things because of, of the rules and regulations, and you pray around that and ask for God to open opportunities, he will do that. He will present conversations to you that you can have. You don't have to open them, and you don't have to condemn, and you don't have to do any of those things, but be available and turn the mute button off. If God wants you to speak, speak. That's what we should do. But again, it's within the power of the Holy Spirit. The same power that we receive Jesus is the same power that somebody else is going to receive Jesus. But how do they know if they don't hear? And how do they hear unless you go? And unless you speak? Going back to verses 4 and 5, when he said, My speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words or of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. See, there's power in the simplicity of the gospel when the Holy Spirit's the one doing the speaking through you. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 4, 19-20, But I will come to you shortly. This is He's writing to them, and he's chastising the church. And he said, I'm going to come to you shortly if the Lord wills, and I will know. Not the word of those who are puffed up, but the power. Paul would be able to discern if this is man's over here puffing things up and teaching in his wisdom, or if it's the power of God. 
And he goes on, for the kingdom is of, of God is not in word but in power. The power is the Holy Spirit. Now, the words that he speaks are powerful. The words we speak, eh, not so much. In Ephesians 1, 17 through 21, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of his glory of his inheritance to the saints or in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power? Which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named. Not only in this age but also in that which is to come. And then one more reference. 1 Thessalonians 1.5 For our gospel did not come to you in word only but also in power. And in the, in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. In all of these references, Paul is denying himself and putting everything in the power of God and of the Holy Spirit and the words that he speaks through us. Now, in our text this morning, and in all the references I just gave you, the word power, is the same Greek word, is used for power except one place. And I'll explain that one in a moment. But the Greek word for power in all of these references is dunamis. Dunamis. And it literally means a force. Specifically, miraculous power. A forceful, miraculous power is what we have indwelled within us. That's what that word means. Now, the different word, word that we use in Ephesians 1.21, it it's exousia, exousia, and it means the ability, a privilege. There's a lot of different ways. I'm going to read all of these because they all mean something here. It's a privilege. Subjectively, it's a force, capacity, competency, freedom, mastery, superhuman, potent, Influence, authority, jurisdiction, liberty, power, right, strength. All of these words are, are identifying where the power comes from. The authority of the power is the Holy Spirit. The first word describes the power. The second word describes really where that power comes from. It's not from within us. All of this belongs to the Holy Spirit. It's the authority of the dunamis power that is in all of us. And we all have access to it. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. We have his power in us. And verse 16 tells us we have the mind of Christ. We're not to instruct him. Who can instruct the Lord right before that verse in that same verse? And it says, but we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. Those are powerful words within themselves. If we have the mind of Christ, why do we think that we need to then change something or add to or beef something up to speak what's already been spoken? We get hung up on words sometimes, what they mean, 
defining them to the T. Many times that brings more confusion than it does help. And we're not to let words be divisive. But the power of the gospel and the power of God's word that dwells within us, you may not even know you know things, certain things the Holy Spirit will bring to your attention. You may have read a verse, didn't memorize it with your mental mind, but when God brings you in a place and you're willing and it's the time, it'll come to mind. The power of God brings it to the attention so it can then be shared the way he wants to share it when he wants to share it. See, memorizing scripture is great. And as a kid, I don't know about you, we were always taught memorize these verses and memorize this, you memorize that. But memorizing a verse just to say I've done it doesn't really do much for you either. Again, the relationship with God's got to be in place first. He will bring things to you that you need when you need them. We don't have to focus on, oh, I've got to retain, I've got to retain. Listen, this mind doesn't retain much. Never did. Third grade, best three years of my life. <laughs> didn't retain much. Still didn't retain all the things I didn't think I needed. I never learned to put my alphabet with my math. You can't add numbers and letters. I'm sorry, I don't care what they tell you. Don't work. Give me the numbers, I'll give you an answer. X is right before Y and Z in the alphabet. You don't need to find it anywhere else. Just my opinion of things. But the thing I'm saying here is it's not about what we try to retain or what we try to do so we can do this and we can do that. It is God's power that we already have access to. So, our question this morning, why are we not tapping into the power? Why are we not tapping into the power of the Holy Spirit? And I believe there's more than one answer, and I'm not going to give all the answers. You may have your own uh, thoughts on this and have answers for yourself, but the first thing that came to my mind is and we're in a land of self-sufficiency. The culture we live in, the culture we're raised in, has all been about self-sufficiency. And it's taught us from childhood on that we have not because we've not done enough in our own strength to get it. That's the mindset of the world. It's even the mindset of some Christians. Well, you're not doing enough. God's not going to bless you until you do your part. God helps those who help themselves. That's not in Proverbs, by the way. Not in Ecclesiastes either. No proverb. That's not real. Now, there are those who are lazy, and God does deal with that, but that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about when you ask something from God, first off, are you asking according to his will? And secondly, are you asking because you really want it or you just think that once you get it, you can do what you want to with it? And we'll get to that point again here in a moment. But, but that's one of the first things. We haven't done enough. We've got to work harder. And a lot of the businesses of our culture today, who they go to church on Sunday morning and they'll use God in their, in their presentation on Monday to the, all whoever they're talking to. They'll bring a scripture in. They'll bring a God reference in. But it all has to do with if you want it, God wants you to have it. I've seen it. I've heard it. I, I asked a guy one time. I was in a business meeting. And he got up and said, God wants you to have whatever you want to have. And I, I went up to him after and said, well, what about humility? What about seeking his will? Well, you're God's child. He just wants you to have it. All you got to do is ask for it. He had no relationship with Jesus. He was using 
Christianity or God or whatever form of religion he had to tell you you can get what you want. That's a lie. It's a lie from the pit of hell. But that's part of the mindset that's filtered into the church. We've not done enough. Or even worse, when we do ask of God, we ask again for selfish gain or fleshly rewards. James 4, 2 through 3 says, You lust and you do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. And then it goes on and says, You ask and do not receive. Because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your own pleasures. There's no place for that in the gospel, in the kingdom of God. There's no place for that attitude. And I think it's in Timothy it says, you know, it's a form of godliness, but there's no power in it. The power comes from the Holy Spirit. The power comes from the truth of his word. The power comes in relationship. It doesn't come to name it, claim it. It doesn't come to if I want it, I can have it. Grab it and have it. That ain't it. Nothing to do with any of those things. But that's one of the reasons that we've not tapped into the power of God is because we believe we can manipulate it ourselves. Another reason is simply because we don't believe in God's miraculous power. We saw all the testimonies from the Old Testament. God pouring fire from heaven, the, the pillar, the fire, everything, the parting of the Red Sea, the healings, opening up ground and swallowing people who are walking in rebellion. We saw all the miraculous things of God. And then we get into the New Testament, and we see Jesus healing, and we see Jesus raising people from the dead, and we see He's speaking truth and all of those things. And we believe they were real, right? I believe they were literal. Literal healings. Literal raising from the dead. But then the new church is formed. And the apostles die out. <laughs> and the church becomes self-sufficient. And almost, and then you have those, the cessationalists. And they say, oh, all the miraculous things of God stopped when the apostles died. They're wrong. But that's the teaching that's in a lot of churches today. And the main reason they teach that is because they're afraid and they've seen things misused in other ways that they just shut it off completely. Say, nope, not going to do it. It's not real. So they deny it. And again, being self-sufficient, most of the time in the United States, in the church, we haven't been put in a position to really need a supernatural power. Let's pray. But then let's get them to the doctor. I'm not saying don't go to the doctor, okay? I don't want to be misquoted here and saying, well, Pastor Grady said, you don't even need to go to the doctor. You pray you're going to get healed. Sometimes that may be true. God may heal you immediately. But he uses physicians. Luke was a doctor. It's not that he doesn't and can't. But my point is, is that we go to all the other sources. How many times we've heard people say, well, we've done everything else. Let's, it's time to pray. Backwards. Let's pray now. Seek direction and go forward from there. And then there's fear. Our fleshly nature is afraid of the things we don't understand. Fear of calling down the power of God for several reasons. Number one, what if he doesn't do it? <laughs> if I step out in faith and ask that God do a miraculous work, what if he doesn't do it? I look like a fool. So I'll just keep quiet. 
Number two, what if he does do it? <laughs> what will it look like? How's it going to manifest? Am I going to handle it right? I'm afraid. So, you kind of back off. And again, number three, if I mishandle and misrepresent it, what will happen? And then we find ourselves in number four, where we've seen in some churches they hijack the gifts of the Spirit. They hijack the things of God and turn it into a circus or an emotionally driven event where in some cases the Spirit of God was never there to begin with. And so we're afraid. We don't want to be caught up into that. We don't want to be caught up into something that's not of God. So we'll pull back. And I'm going to be honest with you. That's where I've been for a long time. God is breaking that off of me. has been for some time. But he's been showing me, listen, don't allow yourself to be afraid because other people have missed it. Be open to what I want to do because I want to move. And I want to show you and give you the power. It's already here. But all of these reasons are excuses that we have as to why we're not tapping in to the power of God. Ultimately, we need to come out of this place. And we need to come into the place of self-examination. Find out what is standing in the way of God's Spirit leading us where He wants us to go and doing what He wants us to do. All through His mighty power. And I would say this morning, we're the problem. The power of God, the Spirit of God, God Himself is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change. We're the ones that get it messed up. We're the ones that get in the way. And if we want to tap into His power and have access to it the way He wants us to, we've got to get out of His way and believe that he will do it. That's what's going to bring change. Not just change in the world. Change in us. <laughs> that then we're effective in the world. Without fear. Without hindrance. Without letting ourselves talk ourselves out of doing something that God's calling us to do. Because we just either don't feel qualified. Don't feel we're good enough. Don't feel this. Don't feel that. You know, we are who we are because God tells us so. And we don't have to go in listening to what the devil says about us. Or even how we feel about ourselves. Paul said, not that I've attained. Not that I've arrived. But learning this, that I put the past behind me. And I press on for the goal and the calling of the Lord Jesus Christ upon his life. That was his attitude. Yeah, he was a murderer. He had zealousness for the wrong thing. But he didn't walk in that. That was behind him. I put that behind. And I'm walking today in my relationship with Jesus Christ. Matthew 17, 20 said, or Jesus said to them, Because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Now, if you just take that one verse, and you want to build a theology around it, you can go around tearing mountains down everywhere. Most of them aren't going to move. Because you've decided which mountain you want to move and which one you don't. It's not what he's saying here. If you have faith as a mustard seed, 
But that faith has to be relied upon your relationship with Jesus Christ. You have to be open to hearing what the Holy Spirit is telling you. You've got to be praying according to His will or you're praying against the wrong mountain. And if you're not praying according to His will, that mountain's not going to move. So we don't just say every mountain that we see, we're tearing down. No. We say, God, you assigned me to the battle you want to put me in. You assigned me to the place you want me to be when you want me to speak, when you want me to say where you want me to live and how you want me to do things. And it will all be your power and in your glory, because that's, that's the second thing, he's going to be glorified. Anything else is glorifying ourselves. So we glorify him. And in Ephesians 1, 5 through 8 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach. And it will be given to him. But this is a key part of this whole passage here. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. For he's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. See, when you come to God, and you're not coming in the power of the relationship that you have with Jesus Christ. And you're not coming knowing that you have the power of the Holy Spirit within you. And you're not coming in that power and seeking in that power. Then you're not going to hear what you're supposed to be praying for. And you're not going to pray believing that you're going to get it. Because you're doubting that you're even praying for the right thing. The Holy Spirit himself will confirm in you how to pray. The Holy Spirit himself prays. When you can't. Remember that verse? He intercedes with groanings that cannot be uttered. When you don't know how to pray, he's praying on our behalf. Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us right now. In all of those areas that we don't understand, we have the ability to be in the relationship with the one who does. And while he may not give us every single answer we want, he will give us everything we need for the moment that he's calling us to be effective for him. And to live in this relationship. So this morning. I'm asking you to examine your heart. I'm asking you to say. Are you willing. To get out of the way. Are you willing to let the Holy Spirit move in you. Lead your and guide you. Regarding your walk. Regarding your talk. See it's important. We tend to want to put God where we want him, when we want him there. Sunday morning's a good time for us and God. Monday morning, not so much. Got a day plan. Got to do this. Got to do that. Can't find time. Can't do this. Can't do that. And listen, I'm not telling you, I've never been one and never will be one that will get up here and tell you, you need to be in prayer at 5 o'clock in the morning from 5 to 6. Then you get your shower and you get dressed and go to work. You won't find me up at 5 o'clock in the morning. I'm not a morning person. Now, the Bible says pray without ceasing, so I can start whatever time I get up. And I'm praying from then on. Now, I'm being a little, little slight there. Many of you are morning people, and that's your time. Hallelujah. Spend that time. Many of you are people before you go to bed. That's your time. You spend that time. And there are others who all day long, they have these moments. Where you can get in alone with the Lord and you can spend that time. And this is the mindset we're to have. We're in relationship always. 
Now, somebody said something to me yesterday, and I thought it was kind of interesting. It, it, it really made sense. Think of it this way. For those of us who married or been married or been close to someone in a relationship. It is a relationship, right? You love them intently. But you don't always want to be with them, do you? <laughs> in the world's mindset, yeah, we need that break. I know there's many times when I say to my wife, I think I'm going to go up so-and-so for a few hours or go up for the night. Bye! <laughs> There's no, but I want you here. I miss you so much. I know she feels that, but she would never say it. There are those times, and believe me, she's going to visit her sister. I said, hallelujah, she needs you. Your sister needs you. But in our relationship with God, there should be a difference. Even though God still allows us to do things. It's not like every single minute of every single day we've got to be in the kneel position before God. That's not what a relationship with Him looks like. We're interacting with God. Did you know He's with you when you go fishing, if you go fishing? Did you know He goes with you to play golf? He wasn't with me in my golf game, but He's with other people who play golf. God's never been with me on my golf game. And He laughs at me when I play golf. I'm the only one, and I promise you, this was so funny. Again, I tell stories occasionally, but this just came to my mind. I was the president of a business association many years down in Ackworth. And we had a golf tournament. I don't play a lick. I cannot play golf. But they came up with this plan. We're going to have everybody who wants to, you put a dollar in the pot, and you have a drive against me off, the, off hole number one. Whoever beats me, you know, or, well, everybody beat me. I mean, I'm the only one that hit the golf ball hit a boulder about 30 yards in front, and the ball wound up behind me. That's how I play golf. I said, I'm going for hole 18 on hole 1. I ain't no point. Again, get to the end. Don't go through all these holes. Get to 18. It's back here. I did beat one guy, though. He was the coach of, of, of Cobb, North Cobb High School football, and he was laughing at me when he saw me hitting that ball. But the one time I stepped up against him, I hit one straight, and his curved over and sliced. I said, hey, that's it. That's all I need. I got one. I quit. <laughs> but the point is, is that God is with you in every place that you are. It's not like you have to be in this place of, oh, absolute holiness all the time. That's not what this is about. A relationship is giving. You are praying. You're talking. You're communicating. But there are times when you're not focused that moment on the Word and the Holy Spirit and all these things, but He's still moving in you, and He wants you to be with Him, and He wants you to be in this relationship. He wants you to glorify Him in everything you do. But then there are those times that in the Spirit of God, there's a focus that you have to have to hear what He is telling you in that moment because He wants to use you. He wants to use you. He wants you to be a willing vessel like Paul was a willing vessel. He wants you to be a willing vessel like any other person you've ever known who followed God to say, yes, Lord, here I am. Send me whatever it is. It may be to encourage, to pray for, maybe to rebuke. It may be to say Jesus loves you. People may not have ever heard that. People may have heard of Jesus, may have been to church but never received him for themselves. Whatever it is, 
The power is there. The power is accessible. So that's the, that's the question. That's the challenge. Are we willing to come this morning, lay aside any preconceived ideas? Now I'm speaking to everyone here who comes from different backgrounds. Any preconceived idea, any teaching that may put God in my own comfortable box, limiting His power and not listening or following as I should. Am I praying for a powerful move of His Spirit, not externally, that's good, we can pray for that. Lord, I pray that your power fall on this city. Pour down over this city and change the hearts of our leaders and our government. Bring salvation in the leadership roles that they're making godly decisions, not manly decisions. Those are things to pray for. But before we start praying for everybody else to get God and His power, are you asking for it for yourself? That's what a revival is supposed to be. See, everybody looks at a revival as a place where a bunch of Christians get together and all of a sudden a bunch of non-saved people come in and get saved. Well, that's not really a revival. That's more of an evangelist movement. And the people are doing what they always do. They plan a revival for four days, Sunday night through Thursday night. And they have different speakers or the same. It's all planned out. There's power in that if the Spirit's moving the, the speakers and doing that. I'm not condemning those things. What I'm saying is, is that the real truth is you can't plan a revival. You've got to be willing to be revived. And there's the difference. Is the church willing to be revived in the power of the Spirit? Now this morning I'm praying for His Spirit to move through me. And through each of you, not so that we can see just a particular gift. Because again, there are times we see the gift when the power of the Spirit moves, we expect to see this or expect to see that. It's not about a gift manifested. That can happen. But the power of the Holy Spirit Himself is manifested in each one of us when we submit to Him, when we, the true church, allows Him to be who He is in us, and we get out of the way, and He moves as He sees fit, not what we think is supposed to happen. That's what I'm asking for. I'm asking that starting right here. Lord, change my heart so that I'm no longer holding back and, and having any hindrance of allowing your spirit to move because of what I've seen wrong rather than what is right. And may your, spot, your spirit move in me so that I'm able to hear your voice this moment, the next moment, wherever you place me, so that I'm saying, yes, Lord, I'm hearing you. I will be obedient. I will submit. Your will be done, not mine. That's who he's looking for as the church. And you are all the church. It's not just this room. It's not the building. It's for those who have ears to hear. Let them hear. For those who want to walk in obedience. If that's your heart this morning, if that's what you're looking for, I want you to come down and pray. The altar's open. Johnny, you can come on up if you want. And I'm again, I'm not planning anything here. I'm just saying if you want to be submissive to what God wants to do in your life and you are willing to say, I'm willing to get out of the way and let God do it, then I want you to come down. And if you don't, don't worry about it. There'll be no condemnation. There's nobody, nobody going to count heads here. Sometimes we say, well, we'll just everybody bow their head and close their eyes. Well, you can do that too. If you want to bow your head, nobody's going to look at you. Nobody's going to say, I don't want, you know, you, you should be here, you should not be here. 
But I want you to come if this is your heart. Because this is what God is looking for is for those who are willing to say, here I am, I'm coming, I'm going. I'm going to do what you want me to do. Because I believe that God wants to do a work first here in us and then out there. But out there can't come until it's right in here. Now, I'm not saying the church is perfect. I'm not saying the church will ever be perfect. The church is not perfect. We're people. We all have that fleshly nature. But what it is, is that we have the ability to say, I want my fleshly nature to be secondary and eventually die and put it aside so that the Holy Spirit of God can move the way He wants to and accomplish what He wants to accomplish. That's where the power is. That's what we have access to. And if that's what you want, you come down. I'm going to pray. I'm not going to touch each one. I'm going to pray for you all. And I'm going to, I'm going to pray for the power of the Holy Spirit to change your heart. To touch your heart in a special way. To move in a way like He's never moved before. So that when you leave today, you will know that you've encountered something beyond yourself. Because that's the only place it's going to happen. We've got to get out of the way. And we've got to move forward. So Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every person that has come down this morning. For those even who haven't, I pray for them. I'm not, again, this is, has nothing to do with, um, with calling people or, or pointing people or anything like that. This is just what you've called me to do this morning. And I see the hearts of these people who have come down. I see the willingness and there has to be a surrender. There has to be a point that they come and say, not my will, but your will be done. There has to be this place that says, I no longer want to be a hindrance to the gospel, but I want to walk in the power of the gospel. And so for each person that's come this morning, I pray for an anointing right now from the Holy Spirit himself to touch each heart over each person, over their minds, over their beings, over their bodies. Over everything within them, I pray in the name of Jesus that their hearts are touched in such a way that the Holy Spirit is speaking to them right now and saying, You I have chosen. You I have called. I don't want to go over there and pick so-and-so. I'll get to them when they're ready. I'm calling you right here and right now to receive all that I have for you in the name of Jesus and in the name of the power and the word of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And in his anointing, he is pouring out what you need. You have that power in your hands, not to use as you see fit, but to be used in accordance to his will. Dear Father, in the name of Jesus, may your will come alive in each person right now. May your will pour into their hearts and into their minds. May the, the wholeness and the fullness of the power of God be revealed to each person this morning so that there's no hindrance, there's no fear, there's nothing that's going to keep them back. I don't care where you come from. I don't care what your sin was. It's time to put it behind you. The Bible says, Paul said, I quoted a while ago, not that I have attained, but I have learned to do this, put what's behind behind and pressing on for the goal. And there are people this morning that have been walking in fear and walking in their past and walking in what they did or didn't do and walking in all that. Put it aside. It's gone in the name of Jesus. You are, you've been delivered. If you receive it this morning, you've been delivered from the fear of your mind and the enemy 
We rebuke him in the name of Jesus. He has no power to speak that into you. Receive what God has for you right now. And others who have just been sitting, not necessarily on a fence, but have been in a place to where they're like, well, I got this and I got that. And all of these distractions right now in the name of Jesus, these distractions have been removed from your heart and your mind. There is no excuse, no distraction, nothing within you that God has not removed if you allow him to do it right now in the name of Jesus. It's gone. You've been delivered from that mindset. Any anxiety, any thoughts, any place within your being that you felt unworthy, that you don't feel qualified, let me give you a little little secret. You're not qualified. But the Holy Spirit is more than qualified of whom you have in you right now that is qualifying you and will continue to qualify you. That's the process of sanctification. You're being sanctified moment by moment, day by day, in the power of God and the power of His wisdom and the power of His Word and the Spirit flowing through you. This is what you have, and He is releasing that in you right now in the name of Jesus. You've received it physically. You've all, we've all had challenges in this room. We've got some right now in the hospital this morning. I pray for them in the name of Jesus. May Tony be healed completely, and then I have to go back to the hospital again. He's back this morning with the potential of another heart attack. In Jesus' name, we pray healing. I pray glory over God for delivering Loretta last week. She didn't have a stroke. Her doctor said she didn't. It was a, it was a little mini, but we, she wouldn't call it a stroke. She said there's no damage in her brain. Hallelujah. Glory to God. He's done miraculous things. One day I'm going to have Loretta come up and give a lot of her testimony. Of everything she's been healed from. And every little thing that God has delivered her from. God is moving among his people. He is touching them. He's growing them. He's healing them. He's delivering them. And he's pouring into them. All we have to do is say, here I am, Lord. I receive in the name of Jesus. And when we do that, we come with two things in our heart and our mind. Praise and thanksgiving. Praise and thanksgiving. This is another area that we've been lacking in the church. We may say, we may lift our hands during a worship song, but we go home grumbling. And Lord, forgive me when I get into traffic. That's my weak point right now, and I'm really struggling with that. Pray for me on that too. But I pray I'm delivered from that. I'll have patience with that person in front of me. But the thing is, is that we need that deliverance from all of these things. We need that healing in these areas. Those are distractions. And we now have that because we're praying. And what are we praying? We're praying believing. We're praying believing. We're praying with thanksgiving. We're praying with praise. Because without that, we're not going to receive anything from God. Grumblers and complainers get nothing from God. But when, you're, when the freedom is here, you can pray in freedom. You can pray and receive and believe that God has exactly what he wants to give you. And our desires become his desires, and therefore we're moving forward in this relationship. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I just again, I pour an anointing of the power of the Holy Spirit over every person 
in this room and every person here this morning who wants to receive all that you have for them, may you confirm in them, may you confirm in them that power and let it flow right now in a way they've never received it before and let them go out of here in power, no longer the same person, but transformed in the mighty power of the Word of God and the Gospel of Jesus Christ. May you move among us that we may move among those outside these doors. That's our heart set and that's our mind. And we're praying believing. Amen? Amen. Have you received from God today? Do you believe it? Praise Him. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We glorify your name. We thank you, Lord, because you are an all-powerful, almighty God who does all things for his people. All good things come down from the Father of lights from above. And we receive it, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, do your work. We are now out of your way. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen and Amen. Amen. Your name is power, your name is healing, your name is light. Break every stronghold, shine through the shadows, burn like a fire. Your name is power. Your name is healing, your name is life. Break every stronghold, shine through the shadows, burn like a fire. Oh, we praise you, Lord, for what you're doing. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I'm thinking about, Lord, just one more prayer to add all this. Those who are in watching the live stream who are away from you, that is not too late for them to come back home. In particular, I just am you in the live stream, if you have Hallelujah. If you have had surgery and you have gone through the transition and you're in the process of it, you can still come home. The Lord has called you by name. You can come home. He'll receive you. He'll welcome you. He'll pardon you. He'll restore you transform you he'll give you the real transition the true transition but come home run home through the arms of your father he'll gladly receive those of you in the live stream who've just been away from the lord you haven't gone to that but you're away come home doesn't mean you have to wind up here but come home to the lord and he'll direct you where to go He'll receive you. Hallelujah. Your name is power. Your name is healing. 
Your name is life. Break every stronghold, shine through the shadows, burn like a fire. We have heard God's word. We have praised him in song. We have shared sweet fellowship a few moments long as we leave this place in jesus tender care we will share his love with people everywhere may god keep us till we gather here or we meet in the air. We have heard God's word. We have praised him in song. We have shared sweet fellowship a few moments long. As we leave this place in Jesus' tender care, we will share his love with people everywhere. May God keep us till we gather here or we meet in the Blessings, everyone. God bless y'all.